Hey, today ends our series in the fact that God speaks and we must listen. We've covered uh, several weeks looking at God speaking to us and how we should listen, how we should have a heart after God, how he not just wants to speak to our mind, but he wants to transform our heart. Aristotle said, education of the mind without an education of the heart is no education at all. Isn't that true? The Bible says that man's heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it and who can know it? Jesus came to transform our heart and change our heart, transfer us from darkness into his wonderful light so that we could live in his love moment by moment, an intimate, loving relationship with God Almighty, God of creation, God of redemption, the God that has given everything that he has for us so that we can partake in everything that he is. That is God's love. Amen? That's why we gather, because we're here to encourage each other. We're here to worship the Lord. As how we said, where two or three are, are in his midst, honoring his name, lifting up his name, the Spirit of God is present. And he's here this morning. The God of the very universe knows how many hairs on your head. Knows how many you had 10 years ago. And has updated it. Knows exactly how many you have today. Amen? He knows everything about you. And he loves you. Loves you enough to want to change you and transform you into his image. God speaks and his word guides us. This passage of scripture speaks, uh, speaks about Jesus when he was telling his disciples that he's got to go. And his disciples were like, what? Wait a minute. You are not going anywhere. Let me tell you that right now. Amen? But Jesus said that I've got to go because your know about faith has to be a to die for faith. And the only way you're going to get into this realm of experiencing who I am and my manifestation of my glory and my power is if I go ascend into glory, sit at the right hand of God and commission the Holy Spirit to come and minister who I am into your very heart and into your very mind and change you and transform you. That's what he does. That's what he loves. And it's by the Spirit of God now that he guides us. We can't live this Christian life. So why do you try? You cannot live this Christian life, so why do you try? Right on. You can't live the Christian life without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit revealing the living word to you on a daily basis. Amen? Isn't that awesome? You can't live this Christian life so it frees you up a little bit, right? You've been trying this week. You've been persevering this week. You've been mustering up yourself for good works. Frustrated, angry sometimes. I have. Where I've had to settle myself and say, God, I'm trying too hard without you, the one that does the work in my heart. Minister to me now. Amen? Minister to me. Let's turn over to John chapter 14. And here in this passage of Scripture, starting with verse 12. 
John chapter 14, verse 12, and I'm going to be reading out of the NASB. But I can read out of the NLT too. No problem. I've read out of the NASB. I've read out of the NLT. And now together we will read out of the NLT. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Wow. I'm going to mess you guys up, all right? Can you flip back to that verse? Thank you. Um, the greater works. Jesus barely got 12. The Spirit of God through us can bring a whole world to know Jesus Christ. Amen? Because I go to, the, to be with the Father. Next verse. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Isn't that awesome? Now what that tells me, the simple man that I am, if I pray with power and purpose according to the will and the glory of God, He is going to do it. Amen? It says it right there. Do you believe God's Word? You can ask anything in my name and I will do it as long as it brings glory through the Son to the Father. And then the 14th verse, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's like a double message there, isn't it? He's saying, you know what I'm talking about? I will do it. Next verse, if you love me, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Obey my commandments. Jesus leveled it out to two. Love God and love others. If you love me, obey my commandments. Next verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, another comforter, another counselor, another intercessor, one who will stand by, will be on standby for your life, who will never leave you ever. Next verse. He is the person of the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. See, the disciples, they kind of had a know about faith. They knew about Jesus. And they had moments of brilliance where they would receive truth, but then it would kind of flutter away, you know? Um, Peter said, you are the Son of God, you have the words of eternal life, but yet when Jesus was explaining his work of salvation, that he must go to the cross, what did, G what did Peter say? You ain't going nowhere, and you ain't dying nothing. And Jesus called his friend Satan, basically, and said, you're, you're speaking the words of Satan, get away from me and get behind me. That must have been a thrilling experience for, for Peter. Br moments of brilliance. Um, but yet, when the rubber meets the road, when Jesus needed them most, they fled. They betrayed him. They denied him. See, a know-about faith and a know-about love kind of sucks the juices off of another individual, sucks the juices off of uh, a preacher or a podcast or a message 
but you have never taken that know about faith and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit where it's become your faith and your faith alone. Like Paul, you will say, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. My greatest desire is to know him and to love him and whatever I got to get through, go through, or become, I will become to know and receive the excellency of the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace of who Jesus Christ is. That's a to, to die for faith. Amen? A know about faith, when struggle, when struggle comes, they kind of run. A know about faith is a faith that doesn't have the power, doesn't have the provision of the Holy Spirit to bring you on through and the flesh rises up and what comes out of you is fleshly and carnal. The disciples had a know about faith, but Jesus promised them there will be a day not too shortly where you will be endued with power and you will be my witnesses, my martyrs. You, you un... Whatever you are, you losers, <laughs> okay? I will use you for my glory and honor because of the power of my Holy Spirit that will be in you. Tarry you ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. Friends, have you been endued with the power of the Holy Spirit that has made your life come alive, never to go, go again back to the know-about faith, but live in the power of God's grace to live out this live alive faith and to die for faith? Paul said, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded. Amen? When trouble comes, we go to Jesus. Financial struggles come, we allow the Holy Spirit to minister who Jesus is and who God is, that he is our Jehovah Jireh, right? Our debts, our problems, our struggles are not first on our mind. The name and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty of who God is resonates in our heart and in our mind so that he calls us more than overcomers. Amen? Amen. Do you feel like you're more than an overcomer today? It doesn't matter how you feel. That's what you are. Isn't that awesome? We are more than overcomers because of what Christ has done. Can you imagine if I'm not a big guy for preparation, okay? If I had to go on a big trip, forget about it. If I didn't have my wife, I'd get lost in the airport, lost on a train. I'd fall over the cruise ship railing. I mean, I'd be in such trouble, okay? It would be really, really bad. But if I knew that and I said, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a surrogate. I'm going to get a surrogate vacationer that will go in my place experience everything of that vacation, going to the airport, grabbing a taxi, running to the cruise ship, going on the cruise, visiting the islands, going skidooing, going parasailing, eating at all the fancy restaurants because it's got to be all-inclusive. If I want a meal in the middle of the night, I got to be ready and go get it. Amen? So when I send the surrogate with my family, he will come back. I'll have a cup of coffee with him, and he'll tell me everything that happened. 
That's called secondhand information. Lots of Christians live a life of secondhand faith, secondhand love, secondhand experiences. And God is telling you be filled with the Spirit. Enjoy it. Experience it yourself. Don't hear about it, don't hang around it. Be involved in it. Amen? Suck yourself into the very life of God and live this adventure day in and day out by the grace and the power of Christ. You might know this. My wife has told me this. I am not a romantic person. But every once in a while, I thrill her with flowers or I thrill, thrill her. In fact, she just, she just said to me this morning, shock me with flowers four times a year. And I said, does that count on Mother's Day? And she, she said no. But what if I got a surrogate to go out with my wife? And they go to dinner. They enjoy an awesome restaurant. They go to walk down by the Niagara Falls Boulevard. Niagara Falls Boulevard on the side of Canada. They walk by the water and they experience this. And, and the next day I call this surrogate romantic person up and I say, how was it? Did you ex- what did you experience? God is calling us to dive into this intimate relationship with God. And I want to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself today, do you have a know of faith, a know about faith? Or do you have this intimate love relationship with Christ that changes you and transforms you? It stirs you. It bubbles up within your heart. It makes you love people that are unlovely. It makes you forgive people that have destroyed your life because of this intimate love relationship that God has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's changed you and transformed you. To be God to a lost and broken world. He takes us from glory to glory. He takes us from grace to grace. He takes us from faith to faith. But if all you have is a know about faith, then you ain't going nowhere with God. Amen? The Bible speaks about our broad road. Many there be that travel it that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Few there are that find it. He says, seek me with all your heart and everything that you have, and you will find me. See, we do have to be treasure seekers, amen? And stick with it. Seek everything that God has. If you're here and you know that you have no passion, if you know that you need a transformation in your heart, the Spirit of God is willing to encounter your life and make a difference in your life and change your heart forever. See, God wants to transform us in order to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. You trying to live like Christ, you trying to live a religious life, you trying to do everything that you can to be like Christ falls short of the glory of God. God wants to transform your heart. Put the Spirit of God within you. Ezekiel and Jeremiah tell us about this 
promise of the Spirit of God that will be within us, that the law of God will be on our heart and in our mind and we'll meditate on it day and night. It won't be a struggle. It won't be something that we just have to do. It's part of our life because we have an intimate relationship with Almighty God and we love Him and we feel His love and it's changed us, transformed us forever, never to be the same. God wants to transform us, to conform us to the image of, of Christ. Satan wants to conform you and pattern your life after the love of the flesh, the love of the eyes, and the pride of life. He wants you to be bound up in this fashion and pattern of this world that brings sin, death, condemnation, and judgment. The word transform in Scripture speaks about a metamorphosis, a change, amen? Before, before Christ, we were in this cocoon of sin and death. And we were like, man, this is not cool. I got to be free. And Christ came down, made us a beautiful creature, beauty from ashes, the oil of joy from mourning. He's changed us, and now we fly, and we're beautiful. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Don't. No, I'm just kidding. Have you, <laughs> have you looked in the mirror lately? You are a prized possession of God. He loves you. He cherishes you. He treasures you. And he wants to lift you up to show his glory to a broken and lost world. But you've got to change your know-about faith into a to-die-for faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He convicts us and he convinces us of our position before him. Repentance is a turning, a changing of our mind before God. And we say to God, God, you know what? You've been telling me this for a long time, and i got to agree with you. It's a change of mind. It's a turning. And it says, God, you've been, you've been pointing this out in my life, and I need to change. The Holy Spirit convinces us, and he convicts us. Rose shared with me this week a good, a good thing on condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is this, this feeling of just blah, that your whole life stinks, okay? You are a loser, and you'll never, ever, ever be better. Nothing will ever, ever change. You are accused, condemned, judged, and you're finished. You're doomed. That's condemnation. This heavy feeling that you'll never, ever, ever, ever measure up, and there's no chance in trying. Conviction is, I love you, but there's a little area here that I'm going to zero in on for your heart to change. I'm pointing this area right here out right now, and we're going to work on it. And you are going to have this conscious cooperation with me, or I will forge circumstances that will be engineered in your life. Will you... Okay. He, a conscious cooperation with the Holy Spirit to change us. And the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, one who comes up alongside of us, that comforts us and counsels us and empowers us to change as we yield in our weakness, our insufficiencies, and our inadequacies. And we say, I cannot make it on my own. I need you. 
I don't know about you, but early on, I knew I needed some help, okay? Either mentally, spiritually, emotionally, probably all three. I knew I needed help because my heart, I knew what my heart wanted to do. I knew where my, my, my thoughts were, were, were being entertained in. Jesus wants to come in as master, as manager, as the leader of your life, where from this point on, everything you do will be engineered, elaborately formed by God to live out this adventure of being transformed and used for the kingdom of God. Amen? Do you know that when you've taken Christ as your Savior, you took him as your Lord? You took him as your master? And the only way that he can manage your life and, and lead your life and guide your life is that you say to Christ, you say to the, to, to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. However you want me to change, I'll change. Whatever you're showing into my heart this morning, I will say, yes, I agree with you. Work on my heart and change me. Make me something beautiful out of something that can be so ugly. Initially, we asked Christ to come into our heart. Okay? Maybe you said a prayer at an altar. Maybe you raised your hand and the preacher said, I see that hand. I see that hand. I, I see that hand. It doesn't matter, okay? The prayer doesn't matter. If the preacher saw your hand, it doesn't matter. What matters is this. Have you claimed Jesus Christ as Lord from that point on when you asked him to come into your heart and you claimed him as Lord and God? Amen? Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is this continual perpetual asking for the presence of God to be evident in your heart and in your life on a daily basis where the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will convict you of sin. How many know that you are not the Holy Spirit? You're not even the pre-Holy Spirit. Okay? Right? You don't set things up for the Spirit of God. And then if you've got, Holy Spirit, come here. I got this guy ready. I've abused him, I've condemned him, and I've accused him. Come on in, set him free. Set him free. The Holy Spirit convinces and convicts. How? By truth. When we speak the truth of God, whoever's up here preaching, the Holy Spirit ministers it a hundred ways to different people in your heart, convicting you personally about your sin and your life before God. It's the Holy Spirit's job. People get all bent out about, sh about, about sin in this world. Yeah. There's sin in this world, right? And it's all over the place, and it's getting bad. But you know why we're here? To stop it, amen? And to bring the glory of the Lord, the kingdom of God down, the will of God and the kingdom of God to a broken and lost world so that they can see their sin, but yet see the glory of God and say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. How many of you have tried running your life, making decisions and choices, and it has not turned out the way you planned? And you ran into some unintended circumstances and, and situations. 
God still loves you. Amen? What he does is he takes everything in our hearts and in our lives, what's going on, what we consider evil, what we consider an attack of the enemy, what we consider our bad choices, what we consider the abuse and misuse of other people. God takes that through the power of his Holy Spirit and he makes it all new. And he uses it so that we don't live in the struggle. We live in the satisfaction of knowing and loving God. When God looks at us, sees the righteousness of God. And when people see us, it's not the struggle. It's this satisfaction that we have in God that's getting us through, that gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that mounts guard over our heart and mind in Christ Jesus where we don't understand, but I feel fortified. I feel protected. I feel strength. I feel courage. But I'm in this situation. I'm getting bombed. But there's legions of protection around me. The power and the grace of God, the angels of God, the living word of God. Amen? That stands and fortifies and strengthens. He's our refuge, our tower, a present help in times of struggle and trouble. He's always there. He's a standby. Even when you don't think you need him, he's right there. We can turn to him. Amen? Is it Tiffany? People do that all the time, Tiffany. Don't, don't feel bad. In fact, you know what? I didn't even turn my phone off today. So, yeah. God speaks and reveals God's mind-blowing plan for human history and our place in it. We see that God, the sovereign creator, relates to his people as a shepherd. See, when Jesus looked out upon Jerusalem, he saw them as sheep that need a shepherd. When you know that sheep are pretty, pretty dumb, they venture off into things that they know not what they do. God has determined to shepherd us by the living word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to shepherd us to green pastures and rivers of living water. To be trees planted in righteousness with fruit and flowing with the glory and the power of God because we've been endued with power from on high. We don't just know about Christ and his love. We feel it. Amen? We had a little meeting Friday night. My wife had a headache. Annie came up to her and touched her, started massaging her neck and began to pray for her. And it meant so much to Stephanie. It ministered to her, the touch, the prayer. Amen? She felt love. That's what we can do to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a calling. It's our position. So when we come in this place, we're not looking to receive alone. We're looking to minister the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to each other. Amen? Because each of you have been endued with the power from on high 
Each of you have this wonderful gift and a measure of faith that God has given each of you that you must begin to work. Keep your eye off yourself. Stop talking about yourself. Stop talking about your problems. Begin speaking words of encouragement and words of confirmation and words of declaration and words of proclamation and words of promise. Amen? And the great and wonderful things of God. And all of a sudden, there's this stirring in your heart and in your life. And you feel His presence. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two. And we're going to be reading from verse nine. And we'll be reading in the NLT. Because I've read the NSASB. And I've read the NLT. But now we'll read the NLT. You are not like that. Like what? Like the world. Anger, malice, frustration, lust, deceit, anguish, condemnation. You're not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Do you feel the commission this morning? Do you feel the charge this morning? Do you have the armor of God on ready for battle this morning? Dilly dilly, let's attack, amen? For the glory of God. Win this battle. Next verse. Once you had no identity as a people. See, what sin has done is it threw you into a ditch. You were traveling in God's mercy down the highway of holiness. And all of a sudden, sin veered you off course, stripped you of the GPS, wrecked you in a ditch. You were down in a ditch, broken, wrecked, powerless, in the dark, alone, And now Jesus Christ has rescued you, brought you into a family of believers, brought you into the into the very presence of Father God, where Father God looks at you and calls you my child. Amen. You are a child of the heavenly father, child of the king today. Wow. That's pretty cool. Once you receive no mercy, now you have received mercy. Amen. What is mercy? Not getting something that you really, really deserved. And I tell that to Zachy all the time. I should beat you right now, but I'm going to give you mercy. In Jesus' name. God did not beat you. He showed you mercy. But you know what he did? He beat Jesus Christ on the cross, his very son. Hammered him. Brutalized him victimized them. And the appeasement of the wrath and judgment of God was upon Christ. So now we stand without wrath and anger of God. We stand in the very presence of God, accepted, and we belong to Him. Amen? Isn't that good news? You're a child of God. You're God's possession. You've received mercy. Let's keep going in the NLT. Dear friends, 
I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, strangers and pilgrims, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Worldly desires patterned and fashioned from the very heart of Satan to keep you from a love relationship from God. Isn't that something? Let's flip over to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Verse 1. And we'll read the three verses. Everybody hanging with me? Everybody cool? Okay. Any thoughts, questions? I'm just kidding. No, let's go... uh, (laughs) No. Everybody good? Okay. Remember, we want to strip you from the know about faith and bring you into this empowering, intimate relationship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Do not pattern yourselves after the customs and patterns of this world, but let God transform you. Let him transfigure you into a new person by changing the way you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Isn't that awesome? Don't pattern yourself after this world, after its behaviors, after its lusts, after its desires. It will eat you up and chew you out and leave you broken. There is no end fulfillment and satisfaction with the things of this world. You know why? Because the things of this world are geared towards um, satisfying your selfishness. And how many know that your selfishness will never, ever, ever be filled up or pleased? The more selfish we become, the more the world becomes for us. The more we want more things, the more selfish we are. The more selfish we are, the more brutalized our life becomes. Because God created us not to be selfish, concerned about us. He's created us to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, pouring out our life to Him in worship and adoration. So we uh, renew our mind by being transformed by the power of God. That means when God convinces you and convicts you of truth, there's two things that you can do, accept it or reject it. You cannot put it off. The very truth of God that you put off turns around and becomes this animal that will haunt you forever. Respond to the truth of God and let him free you and let him bring you to the place that he wants to bring you in your life. So, 2 Corinthians, no, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In the NLT version, 
will read like this. All scripture is inspired by God. That means God breathed. God used the very uh, nature, characteristic, personality of, the, of the, the people that wrote the Bible, but he breathed into them the very, the very heart of the message of God. It was inspired by God. It's useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. You can't get any better than that. Amen? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Word of God. You have a know about faith if you don't get into the Word of God, if not on a daily basis, at least a few times a week. If you're not reading the Word of God, you are a know about Christian. You have no power. Power comes to you as the Holy Spirit reveals the Word of God. Amen? And it comes alive to us because it's God-breathed. The Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and makes it alive to you on a personal level. Specifically, speaking to your need and to your heart, where you say, whoa, whoa. Like we said last week, you can read something a thousand times, but then that thousandth and one time, the Word of God becomes alive and you experience that as a reality in your heart and in your life. What do you need to experience as a reality in your heart and life concerning your life, concerning the Word of God? Faith, repentance is turning. Believing is trusting. Do you trust the Word of God? Then show somebody by walking in the truth of it. Amen? If there's things that you have to make right, make it right. If there's things that you have to say, say it. If there's things that you have to do, do it. And allow the truth of God and His Word come alive in your heart and in your life. The Word of God is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Are you tired of stumbling? Are you tired of falling on your face? Get into the Word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister life to you. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the Word of God is living and active. It's powerful. It's alive. And it can talk right into your very heart between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. The Word of God can bring life to our spirit and to our bodies as we begin to, begin to live it out. Are you ill today? Are you sick? Get into the Word of God. Do you have ailments that are continually just bugging you, gnawing on you? Get into the Word of God and believe God that He is your healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He wants to bring healing to your mind, body, soul, and spirit, raise you up as an example of his glory and power. Do you believe that today? Are there any ill in this place this morning? We're going to pray for you. But I want you to do something. I don't want you to think about your illness this week. I want you to think about God as healer. Amen? 
I don't want you to talk about your illness this week. I want you to talk about the greatness and the awesomeness of God as our healer. He wants to heal us, set us free. What we confess with our mouth, we become so much. Because those very words come around in our heart. They convince us of what we're talking about. That's why stop talking to yourself, okay? Stop talking to yourself. And listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking into you. Live that out on a daily basis. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. And he wants to heal us. And he wants to set us free. And he does wants to do a lot, a whole lot more. Amen? As we believe and trust him.